can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Hey everybody, oh. it's Tuesdays with Kelly and Dan. Hi Kelly. Hi. Um, so we've been pretty consistent now. We've we've we talked just a handful of days ago. Like we had a period there where it was way too long between seeing each other. So it's kind yeah. of uh, kind of good to get back into a rhythm. Um let's see, since we last talked, what did what what have you done? I'm trying to think of what I've done even since the last time we talked. Okay, we talked then, on Sunday. And this so, is Wednesday, so it's only a few days. It's only been a few days, but it's amazing what can happen in a few days. Oh, my God. I'm wiped out in these few days. You know, at the beginning of the week, I'm like, oh, this is a nice, easy week. Mm-hmm. Monday comes. Okay, got through everything in four hours. Smooth sailing. Yeah. Tuesday. Okay, another smooth sailing day. Yeah. You know, Got everything done because, like I said, you guys, I only get four hours on Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. Um, I'm still digging. And Wednesday the, hits. Uh, Wednesday today, Wednesday. Yes. Yeah. Got everything done. Even added a startup for a new builder. And my phone has been ringing off the hook with warranty calls. Well, good for you. I'm like. At least, at least you know you're not going to be bored. Yeah, but this is how it always works out is when I have a work trip coming up, that's when my phone goes crazy if people say, I need you now. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's like, oh, my gosh, because next week I will be in Reno for the Pentair two-day training. What days is that next week? Uh, the training is Thursday and Friday. Thursday, Friday, next week. Yep. So I will... So the dates are, hold on, uh, the 26th and 27th. So everybody goes up the 25th and they have like a welcoming, uh, like social party. Reception, you know, they yeah. have drinks and food. And then the next day is when the classes start it's all day. And then they do part day on Friday, if I believe that's the way it is. Yeah, sure. Cool. But I love going to these things because even though I feel very confident in my equipment, I always learn something new and I can bring questions with me that I have in the field and ask, because I do like asking that in a classroom setting so other people learn about it. Yep. Um, And sometimes you get somebody, you know, in the audience or even, you know, someone from, one of the the trainers who might throw out a different way to go about tackling a particular thing that, you know, you, you find, I'll say shortcuts, not in a bad way, shortcuts, like not like yeah. you're trying to, but, but quicker ways of getting to a result or, or uh, whatnot. So I, I love, you know, we, we send everybody a training, Pentair training, all of them do Pentair, Hayward, Jandy, they all do a great, job with training the in-person stuff and uh the the pentair two-day training i really like the way i'm I'm, do they have it broken down where you get to pick what i'll say modules you want to do throughout the day yeah you get to pick which classes you take yeah yeah they i i love that that they uh my gosh i can't remember how long ago they started doing that but it's it's a I like it because I may need more help in one area than I do in another area. Right. Don't get me wrong. I like the Jandy training and the, the, the Hayward trainings where you're going over everything, but I feel like you get more in depth when you have those like smaller classes. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, they by us um, in the Chicago market, Penter will bring in 250 to 300 people uh, at their training events, yep. and they will break it out in. I think they've got six different sessions going on. Yep. All day long, so you know, and the sessions are like an hour, hour and a half, or something like that. I think and the longest class they have is the wiring automation class. It's almost a couple hours long, I think. I think it's like three hours. Oh, is it that long? Okay. At, at minimum two. Yeah. But if you've though. never wired an automation system, that is a great class to take. Make your voice heard. Join the council for the Model Aquatic Health Code. Lend your expertise to the MAC science-based guidance from the CDC and the only all-inclusive National Pool Code that addresses current aquatic issues. Learn more at cmac.org. That's cmahc.org. What was funny is the first time I went to Pentair was two years ago. And when I was at that training I did in Monterey at the Pie Show, one of the guys that was in my group for that wiring automation training remembered me and came up and he's like hey do you remember me i was in that class with you and i was like oh yeah he's like i just took your class you got you come <laughs> such a heart so far from then that's cool how cool well training is um is where it's at and this is the time to be doing it it starts well it already started out by you a couple of weeks back yeah. but um you know this is a training season from now until march there's opportunities all across the country um, and don't, I don't want people to like really realize like, yes, they cost money, but it pays off in the long run. And honestly, the amount that they charge for most of the classes, not all, but most of them, it, it really just pays for where it's being held and the little extra. So like Pentair and Reno is $250, well, $249. Mm -hmm. Don't want to set it over a dollar because it might sound yeah. too much, right. but they give you food and drinks and like I said, a welcoming party and, and lunch and breakfast during the classes and coffee. And then it's in this, you know, these, this area with all these rooms and that stuff is not cheap. And like, no. and like at the Pentair one, the giveaways are amazing. You have yeah. a whole stage full of stuff. Yeah. Now they definitely put on a, a good event and I'll, I'll tell you that the 250 bucks they charge isn't even close to covering the cost oh no uh, it probably barely done, covers the room having done those kind of events through the midwest chapter i i know that uh that that's a small small part of their overall cost to put those events on but they get a lot of uh people trained which makes their products better you know I, yeah. I ultimately i i when when people understand the product they install it properly they know how to program it they know the limitations of it and then you don't have failures that ultimately end up being something that goes back to the manufacturer and then if it you know of course if it ends up not being a warranty thing the homeowners are the ones that are like you know, this is BS. I just spent, you know, however many thousands of dollars in the last couple of years doing this and, and you're not going to cover it. Puts the manufacturers in a bad spot. So getting more and more people through the manufacturer training is is good for everybody. Well, I'm, and look, I'm hoping I was you got just, a full house. I was just telling you today how I have a builder that contacted me because their installer is no longer with them, but they don't know how to program the Pentair Easy Touch for the spillover yeah. function or the infinity edge. And it's like, by going to these trainings, you'll know how to do that. Now, do right. I wish that they had an IntelliCenter instead of this easy touch? Hell yes, that's a lot easier to work with. It is. Don't even yeah. know how they got an easy touch, but whatever. Well, you know what, There, we had a number of them left and it had to do with the purchasing cycles because of lead times and COVID. So, you know, the easy touch has been discontinued for basically a year now. You know, yep. Pentair's, everything's in telecenter or standalones. 
Mm-hmm. You know, with the new IntelliFlow pump, you don't need to have anything. You can download. You need two the, apps though for it. Download the the at home app for the homeowner, and uh, you know, they off oh, the wait. races. Oh wait, I learned something last week. I'll tell you. As a pool professional, if you are working on that pump, you need to have the at-home app, too. Yeah, you got to have both the pro app and the home app, right? Because if it that pump needs an update and it's not doing it, you have to do it on the homeowner app. Yeah. So the, the home app. Right. I've, I've had a, a sort of a, a good experience over the last few years. I had one of the first IntelliCenters. Uh, in a, a beta test on my personal swimming pool, yeah, um, and have learned from it, and Pentair has learned from it, and um, you know the number of updates and uh, things that have happened in the first couple of years. I had it before they went to market with it, and then uh, you know once they went to market, they still are releasing updates all the time to it as they improve add more features things like that yeah but being involved in beta testing of products is a whole different learning experience where you know i mean you're you're they're look they want the feedback right they're proactively reaching out to me every couple of weeks and saying hey you know what's going on and with the intellicenter that's set up really cool and that you can give people access to your system without them having your password, right? It's, yeah. It, you create a login for, so Pentair was actively monitoring my pool from, you know, wherever the, their engineers were and, and getting into the nuts and bolts of it along with me. So it's, those kind of things are, are really cool experiences. And again, that's, for me, that was all learning, learning about the new system, um, trying to run it through some of the rigors of of how can, you know, let's try to break it. Let's try to load this thing up and see what it can do and see if we can detect and produce glitches and things like that. It's it's kind of like the part of the effort that you go through in, in doing that. But, um, yeah, but anyway, we, we had to buy – basically a year in advance to know that we were going to have enough product around. And because of that, the majority of what we installed through, I think the first half of this year was still easy touch stuff. Okay. Just because that's, you know, we had bought so much of it. And then when they finally got, you know, released the IntelliCenter, um, we already had a, quite a bit of easy touch on the shelf. So, we had to make sure we exhausted those before we moved into the newer IntelliCenters yeah. that we brought in. Otherwise, those things, I've been through it through the years, back to the compool days. In <laughs> fact, I, I think I still have a brand new compool uh, system on the shelf in the warehouse. I have a um, a retro compool to the Pentaria, where you the they have a compool up, and upgrade. then you need to upgrade it. Yeah. 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 Those upgrades are always nice. Yeah, you've talked about them. How it's it's easy. You're basically swapping the PCB board on the thing and reprogramming in it, and it's uh, you know an hour's worth of a couple of screws and a handful of plugs and relays and program it, and you're off to the races. And one of those uh, things that not everybody gets into. So, but with that, the easy touch, if, if there ever is a problem with an easy touch, you're, you're going to be upgrading it to an IntelliCenter because there are no easy touch components in terms of the PCB boards anymore. They just flat out aren't doing it. So, um, which is, I think that's kind of cool too, because that even applies to warranty stuff. So if you've got an easy touch, that's for some reason, and I, I can't remember the last time we had a, a board on an easy touch that was bad it's been forever ago but if you happen to run into one the people are going to end up with a brand new IntelliCenter as a result of it if it's under warranty or or otherwise so kind of cool yeah so you other than than Pentair training you've been going through have you completed all your Genesis training yet or do you still have some more to go 
in terms of what oh, there's, you were doing there's with. definitely more classes I can take. Um, right. But have you used up all of your scholarship yet? Yes, I have. Sorry, everyone wants to do it now, and it's like dire emergencies, of course. Yes, what? I want to say it was more than two and a half classes. Okay. So I did the Genesis Concrete um, class for building. I did their um, hydraulic class for the Advanced Builder Certificate. And then I did the Architectural Design class. And that one, that was like $1,600 mm-hmm. and I had to pay 500 of it. Okay. So if you think about it, that's, that's a lot when those classes aren't cheap, the building, oh, yeah. the concrete class alone was what 2,500. Yeah. And worth every penny. Um, to be honest, yeah, it I, is. And I was surprised at how much I knew already, mm-hmm. but I still learned a lot. Yeah. And the same thing with the hydraulic class, like I've taken Pentair's hydraulic classes, you know, every, any, all the ones on any university anybody offers, but this one really went into the, the details of how the hydraulics work and how to, to know how many skimmers and main drains and how big of plumbing and, you know, how many pumps you can have more than one pump on a suction line, but it really went down to the very details, which is great for a designer and builder. But me as a service company with like repairs and stuff, or when I'm putting in equipment pads, it taught me a lot. You know, the, um, that drawing that you did, that you, you sent over, that was really cool. And all basically freehand stuff. I mean, just yep. colored pencils and uh, very... So with that design class, they gave me a bunch of tools for drawing those type of things. Right. Um, you know, different sizes. I don't know what they're called. So different size circles and mm-hmm. uh, squares. And, oh, there's these really cool ones that are different, like shapes, like wavy shapes. But it helps with sure. the curves of the pool. And what's nice is you can compare it to like on the one that I posted, which I'll attach to this podcast um, so everyone can see it. There's a, a, is it called a legend where it tells you how big is how many feet? Sure. Mm -hmm. So you can take those. Yeah, the scale. So you could take those tools and compare it and you can figure out, okay, so this circle is worth eight feet or nine feet and because when I did that one you know I had limitations like the pool couldn't be over 800 um, square feet of surface area and the pool house couldn't be more than you know 600 or whatever the dimensions were so that picture is pretty much to scale of this backyard yeah and you know when the the more so all, a lot of people use software, different kinds of softwares to do yes. designs and, and certainly coming up with three dimensional designs and videos and all this kind of stuff is is a, a great tool or presentation. But they also you, you invest quite a bit of time and, a, and an awful lot of money in, in most of those softwares. But to grab a piece of paper and some colored pencils and those 
tools, if you will, that they gave you. You could go to, you know, a handful of different places to get them. It's not like they're thousands of dollars, you know, they're a couple no. of bucks. It's inexpensive stuff. But, um, you know, the idea is to be able to put, express your thoughts on paper in a relatively quick period of time, sometimes even in front of people yeah. to, you know, and, and have it be better than uh, a marker on a bar napkin. You know what I mean? And and what you did, I'll, I'll, everyone should be excited to see when you post it in the group under, under this podcast, the, the picture and that backyard is, is just, amazing i i think i told you i'm like okay come build it i want it i want it <laughs> yes it's had they had the bar and a fire pit and uh, outdoor kitchen and uh, well and i was making it the goal was so in this this uh site plan they gave details of the house like here is the library here is the bedroom here are the dimensions of it here is the kitchen and the nook and all of those things. And when I was starting it, I wanted to make it where if you look out the kitchen window, you can look right at the, the center, uh, centerpiece as I'll call it of the pool. And for me, the centerpiece was the spa. Yeah. So it's a race spa and on, and it actually comes, what would you say? Half, half of the spa is within the pool. Right. And it comes over and on the, the side of, and it's a, um, it's not a square spot. It's a, it's a round circular spa with a, uh, spillover. And in my mind, the spillover is going to have the tile going off a little bit, giving it a lip. So you get that cascade. And I would like to put maybe like a half inch light or a inch and a half light to make it so that pops the water feet that shirt or spillway. But then on either side, I put two benches um, with a bubbler on either side that will light up too. So it really right. just amplifies that spa when you look at it at night. Yeah. So if, if at nighttime, if you're not actually in the spa, that whole area is, a fountain and a backdrop to the pool in front of it and uh, just really something that sets the stage of the backyard. Um, mm -hmm. It's very, very well done. So Genesis taught you well and you <laughs> definitely applied what what those great instructors uh, put out to you. But, and you know, I can that, imagine... Like, so I did do a Baja shelf. And the reason I did the Baja shelf is I imagine this house. So it's what's called a soapbox themed house. So it's a, you know, a very traditional home with uh, usually probably like a whiter gray with um, siding. Um, so I imagine this house being more of a family house, not necessarily an older couple um, so I have the Baja shelf because if there's little kids, that's a great area for them to be able to be what somewhat safe, in my opinion. Obviously, parents need to be with them, but it's not it's not too deep where they can still have fun and enjoy it as they grow. But that also gives a place for as they grow a place to relax and just lounge in the water. Um, that's another reason why at the spa in the back. It is um, a raised deck where you can have two lounge chairs on either side. Um, it has, what, three steps that go up to it. So also, it's easy to get into the spa. But um, when I did it, I wasn't just thinking of, oh, I need to put a pool here. It is more of who lives here? What, what will they use this pool? How can we make it so they can use it for years to come? stuff like that. Yeah. You know, anytime designing backyards, um, we, as the, the people that know what can be done and because of courses, like what you've taken, you not only can paint a picture, but you have the idea of, is this physically possible? 
Mm-hmm. But we, you know, our job is to have conversations with the family and see, you know, what their vision is, see who's going to be using it, um, you know, how many generations are going to be out here and all these these different things. You know, I found through the years, like with elevated spas, that if you're dealing with older couples or potentially older couples, it sometimes is nice to have an area where that, you know, 18 inch elevated spa does not have steps right up to it. Mm-hmm. So you you where an older person has the ability of walking over and sitting down on a bench, basically, which is the lip of the spa and just spinning themselves around and, and flipping their legs into the spa and dropping down into it without going up steps and then yep. having to go down steps, which as you get older becomes more and more difficult. So. Um, we, a number of years ago did, and this is very relevant, I think, to where we're going to be, uh, we've, we've already, our industry this year has sort of come upon it and 24, I think is going to be more of it and it'll carry through 25 bigger and bigger sector of the construction end of our industry is going to be in remodeling Yes. and where, you know, COVID pushed everything to new construction and, and, even for our company, pre-COVID, our construction division did 30 to 35 percent of our work was significant remodeling, you know, projects mm-hmm. that are, uh, you know, significant, not just replastering or, or you know, tile and coping and stuff like that, but structural changes, uh, depth changes, additions to the structure, all of these types of significant projects. Well, when COVID hit, those projects are never easy to do. The the yeah. it is never as easy to tear something apart and make it something new as it is to just start with a blank slate and and build what well, you yeah, want to build. You don't know what's really behind those walls for one. You don't, right? And yeah. you know, if you're really let's say it's you're practically making a new pool out of you're just not having to dig a hole. You know, you yeah. have to, and you do this elaborate design. Let's say it didn't have a spa at all, and now you want to put a raised spa, but then you have to make sure that, you know, the, the, like the rebarb is strong enough to do that, or do you need to rebuild it? You know, where yeah. are the weaknesses? It's not just, right. oh, let's just do it. Hole, right. Put the rebarb right. in. <laughs> well, we, we had uh, um, during COVID because the demand for new pools was so strong, we didn't do any remodeling. We, we had the last significant remodeling project we had was in 2020, summer of 2020 when COVID first broke out. And then we didn't do any more until, um, I think the first one we did was this past January is when we started it. Okay. Now, this year, uh, remodeling is probably going to be right back up to that 35. It might even be as much as 40 percent of our construction division um, back to the pre-COVID level. Right. And, you know, to your point of adding a spa, we a number of years ago, it's probably been 10 years ago now, had a customer with a 30 year old pool, um, just a pool. Uh, the husband was a Vietnam vet who came home from Vietnam with some shrapnel embedded in his brain, actually. And they they weren't able to remove it for fear of causing more damage. Well, over the years, um, he actually lost most of the use of his legs as a result of the area of the brain where this shrapnel is at and yeah anyway they wanted to in in the remodeling of the backyard part of the equation was creating a shallow water area for the grandchild they had a one-year-old little grandson i think it was and add a spa for the husband so that 
you know, the, the hot water and the jets and all that provided some relief for these ailments that he's had. Well, he had difficulty moving around and we positioned the set, the elevation of the spa and access into the spa, uh, handrails, everything based on his body, how he was going to approach the spa. Um, although he, at the beginning of the project, walked with a cane. By the end of the project, he was using a walker. And within a year, he was mostly in a wheelchair. And he knew that this was coming, so we designed everything that he would be able to, in a wheelchair, bring himself up to the edge of the spa, move himself. He didn't want to lift, you know, and, and all that stuff, but move himself using his arms and and so forth to reposition himself on the edge of the spa and with handrails and so forth get him down into the spa itself so a lot of effort was made in the design to make it something that would be very functional for him yeah. knowing what he was going to be going through in the next few years after we we're done so we still now, you know, prior to that, we would open and close the pool. You know, again, Chicago markets were winterizing, blowing out lines, draining equipment, covering them and all that in the winter. But after the project, then they started to have us do weekly maintenance for him and have ever since. And uh, he still is using that spa frequently, a um, few times a week. And... Uh, we, we since have that shallow water area that we created. It was external from the spa structure. And okay. the grandkids no longer are a year old. Um, so they had us modify it and convert it more into like a waterfall form mm-hmm. in, in, in this space where it was. So anyway, there's, but the I guess back to the point of, being able to design something, being able to come up with a vision. And and to be honest, the whole project started. The wife happened to be in our store and was buying chlorine. And she, I happened to be walking through the store and saw her with this, you know, 40 pound bucket or whatever chlorine going to lug it out to her car. And I knew the family and I, I said here let me give you a hand with that well we've got two in-ground pools on display in front of our store and all kinds of right. paver brick and hardscape waterfalls water features all this stuff so I'm carrying the bucket out and talking to her as we go and she goes boy I really love this paver brick that we're walking on and I said well then why don't we come over there and put it around your pool and she goes well I, I already I got concrete and everything around the pool already and I said yeah right I said we'll just get rid of that we'll tear it out and and we can put brick coping instead of is a vinyl lined pool. So it's got, okay. you know, originally had the conventional white bull nose aluminum coping at the top and concrete poured up to it that they had actually painted over the years um, <laughs> to, to try to make it look better, you know, using uh, uh, products for that. But so and she's like, oh, you can do that. And I said, well, yeah, absolutely. We can do that. And we stopped and put the chlorine in her car and we stood at her car for probably 40 minutes and just asking her asking questions about well you know we always wanted a fire pit and uh you know jim's uh you know how about a hot tub and and this and that and i said okay um if, if i'm not mistaken i think i actually that that followed her home that day she lives five minutes from our retail store and I followed her home that that day and met with her and her husband and started the conversation. And, and yeah. it truly was was born out of and she had no intention of doing this. It was born out of the idea uh, being planted and and the having the knowledge and ability to, to talk them through what it could be with yeah. without having to start all over you know we're not going to rip out the whole structure it wasn't necessary we don't have to destroy the whole backyard and bring all kinds of big equipment in and all this kind of stuff we can do this um you know yeah on a, on a, i think we we had a, a dingo for those that know what that is just to help move some of the material in and out and do a little bit of digging but um 
you know, these are these are machines that you can bring through a gate. You know, you yeah. don't have to tear fences down and destroy yards. So, uh, which was important to her too, because she, you know, certainly had her garden and planting areas and such that she didn't want disturbed more than necessary. So, <laughs> what what ended up as as helping a, a customer out of the store with a bucket of chlorine turned into a I forget what it was at the time. It was probably a hundred and sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollar job. That uh, well, that's the thing is most of these homeowners don't know what you can do to a pool. I guess once it's been established, it's I find it incredible what people think about lights. They think, oh, we got to drain our pool. Oh, you know all this, and I'm like, I can reach it from the side, and we can give you a colored light, and it can give you better, you know, ambiance, and you know fun for holidays and yeah like i'm like and these remodels can be something as simple as what doing the the tile and the the plaster and the lights yeah they they can be simple um routine i'll say type of maintenance updates yeah Um, uh, a new liner a new tile and plaster new um, you know, even in some cases, just new equipment you might consider as as a remodel in, in various ways. See, in my um, opinion, I feel that remodels is better money than building a new pool. It it actually is. For us, the, the remodeling always allows us to have a little bit higher margin than new construction does. And, you know, you, you talk about all the time specializing, right? In, yeah. in what you do, finding your niche and and making it something. And in fact, you have something coming up at one of the events where you're going to talk about, you know, uh, uh, what four things you can do to uh, make the most money in the least amount of time. Or I forget how you named, named yeah. that session. Well, that's pretty much the gist <laughs> of what it is, which, you know, it's what upgrade kits, pumps, a filter and lights like those are yeah. like really think about installing a filter takes what at most an hour yeah depending on what you're pulling out yeah um a light an hour obviously depending on how that pull is yeah um a pump again an hour upgrade kits with programming an hour it's not that much and the the amount of money you make profit on those with your labor is a lot like me personally on all of those items I charge I have a 30% markup for the part mm-hmm. and then I tag on you know how much many hours it's going to take me to do it on average an upgrade kit I make a thousand dollars off of it off of what I bought it for yeah that's a and for an hour's worth of work right right think about how long uh you you got to work doing a route to make that yeah <clears throat> you know exactly it's, it's, uh, especially in some of the markets like florida all these <laughs> floridians <laughs> who are charging you know uh, i think most of them now are i think they're to the point where they're paying homeowners to clean their pool <laughs> and, and instead of getting paid i think i think that's but what like, they're doing down there now people people thought i was crazy for just doing repairs but look at what you make doing those repairs. Yes, when I first started, it took me a while. Yes, my first equipment set took me, I think, three days. Mm-hmm. It was on a re- it was a remodel of a equipment yeah. set. But yes, it took me three days. But now that same equipment set will take me four hours. So it took time for yeah. me to get there. And yes, I have minimums, like my programming is $150 with a two hour minimum, no matter if I t- it takes me 15 minutes or the whole two hours. Right. But I do that because it took time for me to get to where I could do that. And I should be paid for, I may not have been able to be paid for that time at the time when I was learning, right. but now I should be reimbursed mm-hmm. for that time I put in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the fact that you can do something in thirty minutes that would take someone else two hours doesn't mean that you should only get thirty minutes worth of time right. out of it in terms of revenue. You should be able to get that two hours. The, the I mean, there are a lot of things, memes and whatnot that I've seen. Uh, I wish I could think of one right now, but 
you know, here. Well, there's one about a, a, isn't it a ship and the motor dies or something? And this guy goes in with a, a hammer and, and in five seconds taps the motor with a hammer and it starts running and hands him a bill for like, you know, $5,000. And they're like, what, you're crazy. And, and I want a breakdown of this or something like that. And yeah. I forget how it goes, but he said, uh, you know, the, the hammer costs $5. Uh, yeah. You know, it, the, the 15 minutes is, is whatever, but the 30 years of experience that told me exactly where to tap and how hard is priceless. So, you know, that, uh, now, that goes into it. This, this kind of goes in with how we were talking about design and remodels and stuff. So I have always been a very creative person. And even when I was things have changed a little bit of what I want to do. But when I first started in the industry as my own company, I, I wanted to build pools because that's a way of being creative. Mm -hmm. Kind of yes and no. I don't know if I really want to build pools because I'm, I'm going to have to be on these. If I have subs or employees, I'm going to have to be on and make sure they're doing it right. Mm -hmm. And I'm the type that you need to know every aspect of the build to be able to tell them when they're doing it wrong. But I think me wanting to be a pool designer, for me, I thought starting at service was the best way to start so that I can understand how a pool works, like what works flow-wise, equipment-wise, you know, all of that. But then I have a friend who thinks the opposite. He thinks he can fix and service a pool better because he started with the building side. And I think that's an interesting toss up. You know, he makes yeah. a good point when you build a pool, you know, every aspect of that build and how it should mm -hmm. work. But then when you've been around pools that have existed and having to make them work again or, you know, modify or whatever, that I think also is a good point too. I guess it's just you know, the I, way you think. I came into this industry through the uh, the service end of it, and I firmly believe that that has made me a better builder because I am always looking at every project from the standpoint of serviceability, yep. longevity. Um, all these different factors that someone that comes from the building side, uh, I, I don't think they really, and, and we see it all the time. You know, how many times do you see a, a catch basin for an infinity edge that's not big enough to put a vacuum head in? Right. Or, uh, you know, name your, your thing, whatever it is that, you know, a pool that's built where there's no physical way to use a vacuum pole to get to certain spots of it. Or, or putting the uh, cleaner line on the other side of the pool, which is also an infinity edge yeah. with a 30-foot drop. Yeah, so oh, unless you're going to swim add, in the pool, you can't It's not like anything. it's just on the wall. They have a bench over there. So then you also have to get down into the pool to get on the bench to then yeah. access the line. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's what I mean. So I, I, I really do think that coming from the service end, um, there's a lot more – thought that goes into what's being built that makes it better than um, someone that doesn't have that that kind of experience so you know and when you take uh, you know the the amount of experience that you've got from being in the service end and you couple it with these Genesis courses that you've been doing very high level stuff to teach you the the proper methods of construction and the proper techniques and design and and well, uh, also like when they would they'd explain things like okay I I go to a lot of new builds um, and I see where the con they did the concrete but it's cracking and you yeah. see this crack just going through the middle of it well then I learned in the class that that's because it wasn't done correctly because the joints that they they cut into the concrete that's where it's supposed to crack not in the middle yeah. of it. And so learning those different techniques to avoid that from happening was another thing. I'm like, oh, this is so cool to learn about because I see this all the time. And customers will ask me because I'm the startup person. I'm there and they're like, 
is this normal? You know, should we have them redo it? You know, why this or that? Now, I try to stay out of that because I was taught don't throw your builder under the bus. Yeah. If you want to keep your job. But at least for myself, I now see, okay, this isn't the way you should have done it. You should have done it maybe a little differently. And the people who are teaching these advanced classes have been doing this for a really long time. And it's stuff that they are experts in instead of, you know, I met a builder recently and you could tell that they really didn't know anything about building pools. And my biggest advice that I told him, like, I didn't care if he wanted my advice or not, was if you're going to build pools, you need to know every single aspect of this pool. That includes the equipment being installed because it happens too often that subs try to take advantage of the pool builder who does not know what they're doing just to save a buck or two so they can make a better profit on the job. But and the way they look at it is, well, it's on the builder, not me, even though it's still on them. But that's Mm -hmm. what they some of these guys do. And I see it all the time. Right. Well, I think I think uh, you know the 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 whole aspect of design and design um, keying in on on the remodeling end of things probably has some great opportunity, especially in the next couple of years, to uh, be an area that can differentiate a company from another when when everyone is struggling and and battling to get that that new build contract uh, much much smaller percentage of our industry are looking at the remodeling stuff so if you can find those neat things that you can do in backyards and and if you've got the knowledge to know that they can be done and how to make sure they're done and done well you posted the one picture of the pool today that uh, the spillover spa didn't actually <laughs> even have really a spillover. I mean, it was just like dumping onto the deck. It, yeah, it was there the most was ridiculous a, thing I've ever seen. So the picture, you guys, um, it's a pool spa combo. It's supposed to have a spillover. And the edge of the pool to the edge of the spa, there is about what would you say a three to four inch lip it looked like easily of of concrete of basically the concrete deck or coping they they did yeah it was the coping because i believe they did the the tabertine anywho (laughs) the problem with if i was to go in to fix this i would probably make it so there's some sort of capping at the end of this this spillway so that water can't go anywhere but into the pool, right? Yeah, so and it won't run out on the deck, like damn it. It won't run me. out on the deck. So yeah. like on this one, it has steps. So you have a spa that goes, that's level with the, well, it has like a, maybe a six inch lip above the, the deck. And then there's three steps that go down. Well, that final step that is the step before you go into the pool now has water running down it from the spillover because they have not put a dam or a gap or somewhere that this water can Mm -hmm. go into the pool with. Well, and another potential easy fix for it, you can get um, either stainless steel or copper uh, spill edges made Mm -hmm. that would project out. So, you know, you can basically take i think that those tiles were was it one inch tile on the top of the spill edge mm. i think it might have been it was rows of tile but if you were to take a, a couple of rows of tile off and set a manufactured say stainless steel yeah it's one inch by one inch t- tiles yes yeah, that's, that's look like I'm they're talking. glass though that's okay. Take take a couple rows of those off and have a, a stainless steel drip edge made that runs the entire length of that spillover and cantilevers out over the the yep. stack travertine or whatever it was that the face of that spa, the elevated spa is. And the other thing that'll do is if you can get 
um, a, a stainless or a copper spill edge, because it's such a fine in terms of thickness, it doesn't take a lot of water to get it to sheet off like a sheer descent. So it actually will project out even further instead of just running down and the face of that And then skipping that gap that yeah. they have. And, and it'll, yeah, it'll just shoot right across and end up in the pool, except when it's initially starting to go and when it then stops going. You might get a little dribble that goes on the deck, but that's nothing compared to what they're going to have with what Yeah, because right the now. way they gonna... did the tile on this, it's the way I look at it, it's never going to be a cascading no. No. Uh, sh- sheer, like a negative edge like you would want for this yeah. particular pool. It's just going to go all the way down that wall. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, when you look at the picture, you could see where the wetness is that goes down and around this. So we got to remember when we when we post the the link to this podcast and talking pools, we got to have your drawing of the backyard you did, and we yep. need the picture of this spillover, not spillover spa. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, you know abomination of a spa. But anyway, yeah, we put them both out there for people to see, so they know what not to design from the spa that you were at, and then what okay. to design when they look at your hand drawing and the colored pencils of the really cool backyard you did people really liked that i colored it instead of just leaving it black and white yeah i think you have to when you do those kind of things i mean it, it, it gives more take more much, of a picture it, in your head it's, it's and then you have me as i'm doing this like thinking of okay what would we have going you know what type of would we have the tile that looks like it's um stone do i want to do glass so i decided is i want the gray and white um the tiles that look like god why am i it's late that's why i can't think of what it's called kind of like that pool with the no lip that type of stone have that go around the spa has to be the white and gray so it's white with like uh veins of gray Mm -hmm. um but the sheer I see. I don't want to do the water feature off the spa. I don't want to do it glass because I don't think it's going to give it what I'm looking for. I need I need it to be. It literally has to be a cascade. Yeah, you so, want it to project out like the sheer descent. So yeah. you'll you'll use a stainless steel. You know, you, you get these things yep. custom made so you can get it made to match the radius of the spa because you got a round spa in the picture, and yep. and you get one made that. Uh, will allow it to literally sheet into the pool as if it were a sheer descent. And then on this particular one, I want it to be, I do want it to be pebble, but I want it to be white with blue, like glass, like light blue glass bead through it. Mm. So it gives it a little character. I didn't Um, see that in your drawing. You got to get better at that colored pencils to do that. <laughs> well, did you notice I tried to make it darker in the deep end than the other ends yeah. and stuff? Yeah, because yeah, you know, some people. I had a friend. He sent me a picture of a startup he did, and the customer was complaining that the water was uh, lighter color on the Baja shelf and darker in the deep end, and they wanted all one color. And we're like, that's not. There's nothing you could do to do that because just in general when you have a deep a deep uh ending thing of water it's darker than it is on somewhere where it's only you know six to twelve inches yeah so um i really enjoyed the genesis classes i love the design the architectural design class um it is more about home design and themes and techniques but it even even went into what was inside what's traditional inside the house for these type of houses but i think it's important for us to know those things when designing pools i understand that some people just want the completely out of the ordinary pool like your your football player right but there's still ways to implement some of the theme of the house into those crazies, but most pools, they want it to flow with the house. So knowing the theme of the house and what goes behind that 
style, what's the history of that style will help you know what's perfect for that house. Like you can't have a traditional house and think that a modern pool is always going to be the answer, you know, unless the customer really wants a modern field pool, then that's where you, you take into account the tile and the type of plaster and maybe the lighting of the pool and, you know, those different things where you can implement the house into it. But also like to me, that soapbox house is more of that 1950s kind of home. And I, when I think of 1950s, I think of free form or kidney shaped pools. I don't think of a rectangular pool. Really? I, I yeah. actually, I actually think the other direction. When I, really? when I think of, yeah, the, the, I don't know. I, I, I guess because, you know, in the forties, the fifties, most pools were not in backyards. They were public pools. And well, you know, when I think in California, 50s, I always... we have a lot of on those older houses, like there's oh, this there one go. area called land, uh, land park. And it's, it's your forties to sixties pools. And they are majority are very large, very deep, uh, free form or kidney shaped pools. That, you know what the difference is Midwest to California. That's what it yep. is. Because in, in the Midwest here, everything is just big commercial rectangle Olympic size, you know, stuff. That's, you know, when I was mm, early teenager, we went to a pool called Valley View Pool and in, in uh, you know, the next town over, it was the only public pool around and, and there were very, very few pools in anyone's backyard. Yeah, uh, I do agree with the public pools. Yes, here, the older public pools are rectangular. Yeah. But see, out, out by you, um, I, I think there's a back decades ago, it was it was a little bit different environment than the Midwest. You know, us flatlanders, we just everything was square and straight and all that. You <laughs> Californians got all the crazy curves and everything else. So but anyway, well, I I am thrilled that you got all of your scholarship uh from phta and and that you were able to use it for all those the genesis courses are great courses they're they're amazing the instructors are amazing and uh uh sure seems like you got a lot out of it so i got a lot out of it i want to say i think i got more out of it than i thought i was going to um I'm very thankful that I won the Greg Garrett scholarship for their their very first year, so their inaugural one. Um, I can't wait to see who got this year's and what they'll do with it and learn because there's so much you could do with it. it pretty much anything that's offered by PhDA, you can do with the scholarship. Yeah. And um I just, I'm very, very thankful and I can't wait to utilize those skills that I've learned from them um, in the near future. Yeah. Well, you know what, maybe you'll come come to Illinois and help teach us Flatlanders how to do freeform stuff. (laughs) Freeform concrete. Should we do it with white plaster too? Yeah. Should we add a a jiving board into it? And light, light blue tile. That's, yeah. the the typical midwestern rectangle pool so (laughs) but anyway all right well i i think uh design and remodeling and all of that uh for for those who are looking to maybe fill out their dance card in the next year or so uh the remodeling and and designing around adding features and things in in a proper way is is a good place to look what do you yep. think and like we said even for the little guys you know lights and upgrade equipment and what's something else you can learn how to do tile i learned that was one of the first things i learned was tile for my dad like going yep. and taking the grinder to cut at the at the bottom of the tile line so we didn't damage the plaster mm-hmm. and knocking the pl- the tile out and sanding it down so it's a nice flat surface to get ready for the tile we were putting in and and there are so many beautiful tiles like lights and 
go and just redo the lights and the tile and it will look like it's a brand new pool sometimes. Right. Exactly. So, all right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in today and, uh, you know, definitely tune in in again next week for our Halloween episode. And, uh, I, I, we, we had a handful, I think of, uh, some scary shit put on the, uh, talking <laughs> post that, that Kelly put out there. So we'll be, we'll be talking about that and some other, other scary things to, uh, hopefully round out your Halloween night as you're listening to us on your way home in the dark from a full day of taking care of all those pools. So. Thanks or you can listen in. to us while you're trick-or-treating and trying to keep yourself entertained while your kids take all the sugar. There you go. There you go. But, well, always good to talk with you, Kelly. Thanks, everyone. We'll Bye. see you again next time. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 